Hi, welcome to Suplex of Sticks, a gaming podcast with your hosts, David and Chris. Holy crap. Hey man, how's it going? It's going good, dude. Talk about a bamboozle. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure people were not expecting this. They're like, wait, 2019, what just happened? <laughs> um, so Seth is sickly. Um, and so I figured since the game that I played was the Spider-Man DLC, I wanted to have my boy Chris on. That's um, right, baby. Because he has 100% of it like I have. Yep. And also because I'm sure you guys have missed his voice. So Yeah, hopefully they have. If not, uh, sorry. Yeah, you can uh, you can clap uh, at your own risk. Uh, just don't do it if you're driving and, and applaud for him and his return. Okay, so about that, can I share a gaming story real quick before yeah, man. we jump in? Uh, as everybody knows who's listened before, um, I work with kiddos with autism, and Pokemon Go right now is doing like um, like legendary boxes if you do like the research stamps and stuff. So one of my kiddos. Uh, has literally wanted a Lugia since he started playing the game. Oh, and snap. He, he hit the box, and it was a freaking Lugia, and we had a rendition of Nintendo 64 Kid. <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone remembers that video, he went bonkers. And it was it reminded me going into this year how, how, uh, how impactful and joyful video games are. Yeah. Despite all, despite all the toxicity out there. Not system of a down toxicity. That's good, right? But the other toxicity. Um, just a little gem for everybody. We, me and Seth, uh, love Lugia. That's he's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's oh man, he. They had the great Pokemon two thousand, which was the. Uh, it's controversial to say it's the better movie. I like it more than <laughs> the first one, but. Yeah, I, uh, I. That's great because I. So I got lucky that I got Lugia in a raid earlier this uh, last okay. year. And yep. so in that legendary box, you a- you actually get either Lugia or Ho-Oh. Yep. And mm-hmm. my first one was Ho-Oh. So I was really excited. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, he they, they started playing probably about maybe four or five months ago. So there's a lot of... And even when I stopped playing, like I don't have Groudon or anything. So I'm going to try and get out on in the raid but it's cool to see them recycle some of the raids yeah because now the kids can get really to them it's like brand new content whereas to you know veteran players it's like i have 14 groudons but <laughs> it's cool for the kids to be like oh my god groudon and so it, it that i just wanted to share that little gem because uh you know everybody needs a, everybody needs a little joy it's it's good to hear you talk positively about Pokemon Go because I so <laughs> I I not that you've ever been a, a hater but um, Seth doesn't play it and so whenever okay, I okay. bring it up on the podcast usually it's it's kind of just me speaking to the air. So. Oh, dude, the most other than like common knowledge, everyone knows who like Pikachu is and like all your starter Pokemon. That's almost common knowledge. That's almost like saying please when you want something it's almost that common in knowledge especially in japan but like i've learned a lot about evolutions and the different you know uh elemental types and things like that from <clears throat> playing pokemon go like when you guys get into like like i wish i had watched the cartoon i'm a little <laughs> older so maybe i i missed it because i was watching different stuff um, but the kids go back and recycle and watch the cartoons 
and I wish I had that knowledge, but Pokemon Go uh, has definitely given me a little bit of knowledge. Also on the topic of Pokemon Go, and then I'll shut up, is when you and Seth did your end of the year episode, which from from a bystander perspective, one of my favorite episodes, and I hope uh, I've told you guys that, I hope everybody else is telling you guys that, I was the only thing I was disappointed with was you guys didn't go back and touch on the things you wanted to accomplish. If you remember, you remember, what, remember when we all did that? Oh, I think I remember that. So that was crazy. Seth really took it upon he, himself dude, to he like he, he was like Bleacher he, Report Deadspin <laughs> status with that research, dude. It was it like, was he so was awesome. on point. I I went into that way. It's like one of the times that Seth has come in hyper prepared and I came in just ready to talk about what <laughs> I played that year. And he had listened to every episode Dude, from the blew, year. And... He blew his, his Persona 5, like his rendition of his love song for Persona 5. Dude, did he, did he cry in front of you, dude? Because it literally sounded like he was so close to no. start crying. No, and no, I was he... like, dude, have at it, dude. Shed him. He, he just, he does, he loves that game. And uh, I I am actually kind of sad Seth is, is sick because we, we were going to talk about something big this episode, which I'll, I'll touch on it a little bit, but. Okay. Um, but yeah, he, uh, man, that, the, the love he has for Persona 5 is, is rivaled only by a couple games, for, and, yeah. I think he said he, he said top five he's ever played, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he did, and I believe it because I there's only a couple games I've seen him get that uh, emotionally invested. In, oh yeah. So. But to the narrative, if anybody cares, I did accomplish. I don't remember everything I said I wanted to accomplish, but I did accomplish playing a Pokemon game because I did play Let's Go Eevee. I haven't finished it. I've only played a couple hours. I want to dive back into it. So I did play a Pokemon game. I did try to play. I think Seth told me to play his Pokemon Sun um, or Moon. I can't remember. I can't remember which one he told Or Silver or whatever. I'm, I'm sounding like a pleb right now, but one of those. And I tried it on an emulator, and it just the emulator didn't do it justice, so I stopped continuing. But I did technically play a Pokemon game like I promised I would. So I want everyone to know that, including you guys, because... You've been trying to usher me into the world slowly but surely, and it's working. Awesome. Um, I really, I'm excited for you to get to play a proper Pokemon when it comes I'm, out. I'm uh, super excited for the RPG, if you know, working title, whatever it's called. I will definitely, I'll definitely, I'm definitely going to pick that up. Yeah. Um, so let's. Uh, we'll talk about the the one thing really quick. It, uh, it'll be a little lighter because. I, I wish you had actually been there, Chris, but me and Seth, as you might have seen on the Facebook and Instagram, got to play Kingdom Hearts 3 oh, early yeah. at yep. Disney Springs, which is a really cool opportunity, and um, when you were talking about getting emotional, it it like brought me to that moment, because <laughs> um, what I can <laughs> It was so weird. It was such a surreal thing because I'm playing this video game and I, I care so much about this franchise. And I mean, as if you've listened to any episode, you've heard me and Seth mention Kingdom Hearts at least once. Oh yeah. And so to get to play the game early and to be surrounded by all this Kingdom Hearts stuff, you know, 
it was just really neat. And I'm playing this game just getting emotional because I'm I'm playing it early and it's like it was very overwhelming because it's kind of there's just this feeling like a demo release to everyone is mm-hmm. just a demo release to everyone. But I, I'm sure you had somewhat of a similar feeling when you were at E3. Like, oh, dude. Oh, yeah. You know that you're playing something that no one else is going to get to play for a couple weeks unless they go to that exact spot. Oh, yeah. And that exact spot is only set up for like a month and a half. So can I add to that real quick? Yeah, yeah. Um, surprisingly at E3, what blew me away was behind closed door stuff. Because not even like the hands-on stuff is really was really like cool to be like ha- like you said having that contact before anybody else but the behind the scenes dude i remember doing a behind the scenes back to back we booked the experience to do uncharted lost legacy which is uh the 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 one with chloe and nadine the drakeless one right um and then back to back we did that and then we did a spider-man behind the scenes and dude I feel like my life was changed <laughs> after doing after doing those two experiences back to back. And then what you don't see is at E3 they have like props like the Spider-Man had like the Empire State Building with like a huge like I don't know 30 foot it was like 30 feet in general and then you enter through this barricade that's like designed like a back alley through New York and it's just it's it's definitely an experience. I don't know I know they had the they had the Keyblade Museum at Disney Springs, right? So so there is a couple Keyblades, not as many as I thought there would be, but it was still really cool to see them. And they did have, like, merchandise set up to where you could scan it and it would take you to the Square Enix store. Oh, okay. I, I was kind of bummed there wasn't actually any merchandise there to, to buy because uh, I probably okay. would have bought something. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's... It was fine. I was going to... You got an exclusive sticker pack and lanyard mm-hmm. if you pre-ordered and paid for the game there and had it shipped to you from Square Enix. Okay. But I was really worried about canceling my GameStop pre-order and having that game come in on launch day. Because yeah. I really... I want... I've just heard really bad horror stories about games being shipped in and them coming like days late. Oh, yeah. And it's and, like... First of all, what you said four days earlier in Japan, yeah. Then so you already have to do the Drake meme and dodge everything for four days, yeah. So to 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 add another three days, so basically somewhere in the world they've been playing it for a week, and then you've got places like Twitch, like yeah, you got to get it on release. Yeah. So that's it's that's where I'm at. It was very fun. I played the Toy Story demo. Uh, Seth played the Hercules demo. Oh, so there were different selections? Yes, there was two demos. Okay. Um, One of the really cool mechanics in it, uh, if you have never played a Kingdom Hearts, which I don't think you have, Chris. I've played a... I haven't beat Kingdom Hearts 2, but I've played some of it. Um, Is you can, like, switch through the Keyblades on the D-pad now. Okay. So you press, like, left and right, and you can cycle through them, and that's really cool. The game is really really pretty yeah yeah. it looks looks gorgeous i'm i'm so excited for this game uh i mean we could talk about forever 
And in fact, we will have me and Seth are planning it and we'll give people the appropriate credit because I'm going to have to watch some lore videos. I know it, but we are going to do a Kingdom Hearts catch up episode. Nice. Uh, and we'll I think re- I'm the origin story potentially <laughs> yeah, behind that. You, you did request <laughs> it and I want to give it to the people and we've never really done a formal fact video or a formal fact like episode. Mm-hmm. And so I think that would be cool to dip our feet into uh, more of a reporting episode. And Absolutely. so we will do that. A lot of it will be from memory, of course, but I'm going to watch some lore videos for the games I didn't get to, which are my, mainly the mobile ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just really excited to dig into that and do a catch-up video because it'll also help me catch up because there's so much lore to this universe. Oh, man. Like, oh, yeah. Just in cutscenes alone, not even gameplay. Yeah. It's redonk. So, I, I'm excited. That'll be coming out uh, before the game, of course. Can't wait. I think we're we're planning on recording it sometime next week, along with a normal episode. So, awesome. oh, okay, double duty. Yeah. So let's talk about the Spider-Man DLC because I literally it. just finished it before we started recording. I finished Silver Linings, which was the third part of the city that never sleeps. Okay, so you don't DLC. want to talk about Randy Pitchfork? I'm... No, no. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry, I had to. Sorry, uh, Seth. If, if, the, if the average <laughs> listener wants to Google that story, um, it is not safe for work and very strange. No. Uh, but Gearbox's Randy Pitchford is really digging himself in a hole. So you can Google that if you want. We're not going to talk about it. If you guys think Triple H buries people, you have no, you have not uh, yeah. read anything about Randy Pitchford burying himself. Yeah, uh, yeah, poor. I'm not poor guy. He did it to himself. He did it. He did it. But uh, let's let's talk about Spider Man. Let's do it. I'm I, you know, it's so weird to me, Chris. Uh, and you've played these, so you know. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll start with part one. It started yep. out really strong in part one. Oh, absolutely! It was such a good storyline about. So real quick, sorry, David. Spo- spoilers, right? Yeah, yeah. We're okay. I would say DLC is that that'll be another point of mine. I felt like a lot of this was from the cutting room floor of the game. Yeah, and so that'll be a point, especially when we get to the second and third one. But we're going to get into some minor spoiler. I mean, it's a Spider-Man story. He's going to win. So Yeah, yeah like over under 100% of the time, typically he's going to win. Yeah. So we're, we'll touch on story elements. Or he's going to die and someone's going to take up the mantle. You know, I wish <laughs> I I kept. We'll get into that. Cause that we'll get it. They, I know what you're going to say. It. Yep. I know what you're going to see. So. Say. Uh, the Black Cat DLC, which I forgot the name of the first one, but oh, it's the heist. The heist, yep. So, the heist is all about you chasing Black Cat around and learning more about her story. And if you know anything about Spider-Man, you know that him and Black Cat have a complicated past. Oh yeah, they had a relationship at one point, and it was interesting. 
um, <laughs> to say but, to say the least. Yeah, and so it's so weird because uh, I I don't know if you're going to agree with me, Chris. It really felt like as much as I liked the voice actress for Mary Jane, it felt like there was more chemistry between Black Cat and Peter Parker. I absolutely was... agree. And can I also say something? Go Black for it. Cat is gorgeous. <laughs> they she is they put so much work into her dude, character model. They made Mary Jane look kind of gooberish. Yeah. And and I'm just using rudimentary terms because rudimentary terms because I don't really want to get into like, you know, the physics of the game, but they I don't know if it was intentional, but they made like there's there's a ton of memes out there of how great Black Cat looks. And yeah. it's like it makes you feel awkward as the player because it's like I know where this story arc is supposed to end up if we're going to go traditional route. But I kind of want Peter to go the dangerous route. <laughs> yeah, you you find yourself like maybe he should just go with Black Cat. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's, it's such a weird – I feel like that's part of what made that storyline good for the first game, for the first DLC was – there was never a will they, won't they, but there was, there was definitely motives there that oh, yeah. you could identify with. You want to go one way or the other, and, and you never wanted to say bye, Felicia. At least that's the <laughs> at least that's the player. I was like, I wanted her around all. The, I'll chase her all day. So I will say the one thing I did not like about Felicia and Black Cat is the final mission in the DLC where you had to take out people with her. Yeah. That mechanic was so weird. The, that's, so, that's the one where you highlight and then she goes and drops them, right? Right. During the warehouse? Yeah. Okay. And so it was just so strange that each of these DLCs added a new mechanic and yep. none mm -hmm. of them felt fully fleshed out. And th that's one of the ones that I wasn't huge on. How did okay. how did you like it? Um, I so uh, it's almost an anomaly because it's like to me the base game was so incredible, and it touched on it touched on the heartstrings gameplay. Dude, I cried three different times in the base game. I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm a man. I'm comfortable with my emotions. Literally, like. Everything about the base game was perfect. It was definitely... I thought... I, I You and I had this discussion. I thought God of War was the game of the year, but Spider-Man was my favorite game of the year. And that makes no sense to most people listening. But I know you understand what I'm saying. Well, no, I mean, that that makes sense because I, I kind of did that to hide Hollow Knight because mm -hmm. Hollow Knight was my favorite game of the year even though it didn't technically come out this year. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, I, God of War was a really good game, but I Spider-Man had a better package. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially for me, like a diehard Spider-Man fan. He's yeah. been my favorite since I was a child. So back to what you were saying, to me, they didn't really need to revolution. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. So it's like they really wanted, with, and we'll, and we'll get into it, with each DLC pack, they offered something different. And it was like, cool but no thanks. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Um it was it's that that was so infuriating to me on a level because the the it felt like 
like I said earlier, it felt like this DLC stuff was from the cutting room. Yeah, of absolutely. the main game. Yeah, the the main game was so fleshed out, and right. you know, like it was planned from the beginning. Um, but I think as we get into, so basically, we're not done talking about the first DLC pack. But if you were mad during the first one, you definitely got mad during the second one, and we'll get to that because yeah. good lord. So but, the, <laughs> yeah, the the first one. What what I did like, and this was especially good for me, was these DLCs offer you the ability to get coin, like the tokens, yep. for other, like for activities. They have side stuff. Absolutely. And so I, I did not 100% each Taskmaster challenge. I did it 100% each base. So there was skills and stuff that I did not, you need Unlock. to pick up. Yeah, okay. Okay. Until I did the DLC because I was just like, well, if the DLCs have this, then I'm not going to bother. Okay. I'm going to just, you know, do it as best I can. And so I I did really like the, the Speedball. Is that her name? Screwball. 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 Yeah. Yep. I like Screwball. I actually thought that was one of the more clever and fun aspects of the set of DLC. And such a such a play on the state of like gaming entertainment too. <laughs> yeah, and today, like it was very modern takes. It was such oh, yeah. a weird contrast because the the main story of this whole DLC is a resurgence of the old mafia times. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this weird, loud, meme-spewing person... <laughs> Oh, dude, she, a, yeah. As a oh, subset yeah. of it. And um, I I really enjoyed the screwball portion of the DLC. She I takes s- over for Taskmaster, essentially. Oh, yeah. And we all love Taskmaster, but screwball, I also felt like, was almost an allegory on influencer relations, too. Like oh, the, yeah, her, for sure. Her ability to get people to do the most asinine things, <laughs> and then she's never held accountable for it because you can't pinpoint her location so she's got these votary like fans who are literally just trying to kill spider-man just because they want to be they want to you know they want to get likes and they want their influencer to be big and popular it was it was really clever like you said how they how they built her character right and there's there's of course bases and uh crimes and stuff mm-hmm. like that yep. so this the sets up um, the mafia story because Black Cat is stealing these flash drives that uh, have mafia information on them. Yep. And this this DLC actually had the most interesting side quest storyline for me, and that's absolutely. Oh yeah, the, the paintings one. The pa- yeah, uh, going and confiscating the paintings, the missing yeah. paintings. Um, I don't want to go too far into that because I do think it's a really good story touch. Oh yeah, and you you should definitely do that quest line if you haven't. Um, it was my favorite of the three for sure. I would say it's it's tied with the third one for different reasons, but it definitely because the the base game. If you do all the Black Cat challenges, the the Black Cat story arc in the base game ends really well. And it basically sets up for the DLC packs. Right. And I thought that the first DLC pack was a strong follow-up to how strongly the Black Cat arc ends in the in the base game. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, and then by the time that all wraps up, you get into the the second. So the flash drive stuff wraps up neatly. I don't mm-hmm. want to fully like spoil endings. No, I understand. Yeah, I but understand. Um, it wraps up neatly, and then <laughs> good cliffhanger. By the way, I got really frustrated because I swore the whole time I'm dealing with this guy that he was <laughs> in the main game and he wasn't. Yeah. So I was mixing him up with Tombstone. Yeah, Tombstone. I okay. figured yep. that out. That's where that's who I was mixing him up with. So, and talk talk about like pulling from the reserve like villains you could use like oh Tombstone, my gosh. dude. I was like Tombstone. Yeah. It's amazing. When, when they got Tombstone. So even then, I'll say Hammerhead is so boring. Oh, man. And yeah. Tombstone was even done better than Hammerhead. Absolutely. And so that's why, that's especially why I feel like this is pulled from the cutting room. They they realized, oh, adding this kind of feels bloated. Let's cut this. And then they were like, well, people are expecting DLC. We'll just do this. Mm-hmm. And I uh, like the the second one is definitely as much as I love Pirates of the Caribbean two, it is the Pirates of the Caribbean two of this DLC set. Absolutely, it is just oatmeal with no flavor. You've got to get through it to get to the third one. <laughs> so, so the only thing I can dis and we're I don't know if we've ever agreed on something in a in this in a duration of time as much as we've agreed on this cast. But the only thing I liked about the second one was the... See, we talked about mechanics. I thought the Spider-Bot mechanic was pretty cool. Okay, no, that is cool. I I was down with Spider-Bot. That one was cool. Definitely better than the weird crime they added in the third one. Yeah. Where you had to protect the truck. Oh, God. The Spider-Bot was fun. Where, where you had to, like, disable the bombs quick yep. enough. And that's how, I, I believe that's how the DLC started. And I was like, okay, like, this is a, this isn't revolutionary, but this is a cool new mechanic that I'm actually interested in. And then you dive deeper, and it's, I mean, if we're gonna, it, I'm trying to find the words. It literally was also insanely difficult out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's like... I played on the second highest difficulty and with pretty relative ease, unless I was just being stupid. And it's like, literally, I had to be super methodical and strategic with, and I know you're going to get into it, with these Sable base camps. And they weren't fun. Like it, the, like you said, beat the second one to, to set you up for the third one. It's not fun. Luckily, I had warning. My buddy calls me and he goes, hey, dude, so... Uh, I don't want to break your heart, but the second Spider-Man DLC is garbage. And yeah, I was like, it, you did. You broke my heart. <laughs> it it had none of the charm. And I think that's also what set it up for failure, is it the first one had such a charismatic character in Black Cat oh, that yeah. there was nothing like that in the second Yeah, one. I mean, charismatic, sexy, you know what I mean? Like, all, yeah. the, all the things that make, like, your vigilante like interesting and like palpable and then you've got Hammerhead who's just a basic you know Magia Don and he's got the typical you know Bronx accent and he you really don't like he basically claims to want world domination but it's like dude like 
your story arc I've seen a million times and done better all million times. Yeah, it felt like it felt like a Batman storyline. That's I also what that. I didn't like is that the whole mafia thing feels very Batman esque. Absolutely, instead yeah. of Spider Man. That makes sense. So I I don't know what I expected with these DLCs, but a mafia storyline was not what I was expecting. And we're focusing a lot on the story. I mean, like I said, the gameplay aspect of it was pretty bad. Yeah, so also I do want to focus, one of the things that was neat was each of these DLCs had a different weather condition than the yep, base game. that's true. So the first DLC was all in the all at nighttime, mm-hmm. yep. and the second DLC was raining the whole time, mm-hmm. and the third DLC had some weird. It was like set at the dusk. It wasn't. Yeah. It was. It was very neat that it shined a different light on the city, each DLC, mm-hmm. and I that was something that I really appreciated, because in the first one of the things that everyone loved about the game is that it was always set in the daytime. It mm-hmm. wasn't dark. It was, you know, a very bright Spider-Man game. Mm-hmm. And so they, each of these DLCs had a different tone of the setting, which was kind of nice. In the base game, did you unlock all the research stations? Yeah. So you okay. did like you nighttime could cha- you could stuff cha- during those. Yeah, you could change it. And you could change the... Um... You could change the time of day at a research station. I think after you clear out really? all of the research, yeah, you oh. can go. To, you can go to the station and change it <laughs> to nighttime if you wanted to. Oh my to. gosh! So, no, that's I, I had no clue. No, that's um, okay. So I could do the last eight percent of the game in the dark then, because <laughs> I I just haven't done all the crimes yet uh, across okay. the map. So I I if I ever feel like it, I'll go back and do those. I even thought with the second DLC, the crimes took longer to spawn. Like, I thought I was waiting around longer. Yeah, the, I feel like it just, everything dragged. Yeah, <laughs> and, and maybe that's part of it. So, I mean, it's, it really, and it didn't have a satisfying ending. No. Um, The whole time you're kind of dealing with Yuri being very edgy. Yeah, oh and yeah. And that's the theme of it, is that Yuri's kind of, which, by the way, I was... That is the thing about the third DLC that I hated. Okay. Um, I feel like Yuri as a character in the base game is a complete coin flip from the Yuri that is in the DLC. It's literally a Harvey Dent situation. <laughs> yeah, she... That's she literally what happens. It. She just goes bonkers. Whole someone, different character. Someone who's super well-reserved and respected by the book all of a sudden is like I'm gonna kill everyone yeah and I I don't get it but and even I... threatened Spider-Man <laughs> and yeah. I'm like what it was it was very weird but it was I mean it it's what they wanted to do so also there's these these phone calls I want to talk about the phone calls with Miles that keep happening yes mm-hmm. because Spider-Man is going through these phone calls with Miles and trying to explain to him how physics and stuff is important to being Which Spider-Man. Which are very, very charming. Yeah. I, every time Miles called, I stopped what I was doing and I treated it like I was personally on the phone with him. <laughs> so I, I, I never do that in this game. 
and I think it's because I kind of love the way conversations will pick that up, pick back up. Mm-hmm. Like one of the times he called me, um, it was when, it was the phone call where Miles goes through his bag, yes, and finds the web shooters that yep. that Peter Parker makes for him, mm-hmm. and so he while he's telling me about that, I ran into a crime, and so okay. I did it. And then right after the crime was over, he calls Miles back and he goes, so you went through my bag, huh? And I was just <laughs> like, it's so... The way they designed the conversations. Absolutely. I know yeah, we've yeah. talked... We talked about in the review episode. It's just so brilliant. And you know that they have scripted moments probably at multiple sets in the middle of the phone call. Yeah, and, oh yeah. Uh, that's just genius. They did... They do such a good job on so much in this game. It's really easy to look past the frustrating stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's little things that you don't even pick up on unless you're really being attentive. Like, you know, someone who's just in it for the action might not realize that they scripted in a set piece in case the call gets erupted for <laughs> it naturally to reoccur. Yeah. And it's like that's that's insane attention to detail in the writing. Yeah. Um. And then, so that kind of wraps up that DLC. Yuri kind of loses it. She goes crazy. And then, I can't imagine playing all these separately, by the way. You played them all three back-to-back? Yeah, I played them all three back-to-back. Which, they're all about three to four hours long if you complete everything. Yep. So it's about 12 hours more of story. So I played... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. So you played them all separately? I played the first one like right when it came out like I was waiting at midnight beat it 12am to 4am beat it and then the second one came out and it, I think I had to work like a really long shift and my plan was it, it, it came out the same day as another game and I think I think it came out really close to Red Dead 2 which we don't even need to talk about but um, so I, w- I had planned I downloaded it at midnight the morning before and I planned on playing it and I got the call from my friend who I trust it wasn't just some nobody being toxic he was like dude I know your love for Spider-Man so I'm taking the time out of my day to call you to let you know how bad this DLC is how hard the Sable bases are how Hammerhead is super stale and the whole you know no, not spoiling it but the whole DLC is you're just trying to track down where Hammerhead is it's like Carmen Sandiego like it's that's that's literally the DLC and you're running into different dudes who also have uh, Brooklyn or Bronx type accent and you're just beating them up and so I ended up taking his word and not playing it and as soon as Silver Lining came out I played both of those back to back within like 18 hours maybe gotcha yeah I'm glad I'm glad I did it that way because ending on ending on um, the city that never sleeps and not having anything to cleanse that palette I would have been insanely agitated <laughs> yeah that's, that's <laughs> so. probably for the best <laughs> um uh so we get, then end with silver linings also which... i spiked my headset during the second dlc <laughs> and i don't do that much anymore and for how much i love spider-man you think i would just take what i can get but one thing we didn't capitalize on and we'll go into silver lining was in that dlc if you've played the base game Somehow everybody just gets hold of sable weapons. Yeah, so, which is the worst. Which so uh, that means anything you do, base camp, crime, you name it, they've got sable weapons. 
So and the fat guys with the miniguns. Uh the worst. And you can't dodge the bullets. Nope. Which you is can't. insane. Yep. <laughs> um I need to ask you something because I feel like I might be crazy. Uh dude, we've agreed on everything. So Did they de age Silver Sable in the third DLC compared looked, to how she was she, in the game? She looked like she was trying to go on a spicy hot date. She looked younger. Yeah, I don't she, know if she was her, if her appearance was, I don't, I don't know if she cared about her appearance or if she was supposed to look weathered from the Civil War going on in her country, but she definitely looked different. Maybe not younger, I, I can't put my finger on it, that that makes that's a good suggestion but she definitely did look different like i wasn't i wasn't really into her at all in the base game and then in silver lining i'm like hey i kind of like her she's kind of endearing in a certain complexity complex type of way but she definitely looked different she yeah it was so weird and i mean i might be crazy and you can look it up and it's like she's not different but it's I just felt like she looked a lot younger than she did in the the base game. And you could be right. I mean, I don't know. I I kinda wanna go I would have to replay the game. I'm not doing that. I I, I as much as I admire the people that did new new game plus, I can't. Eventually I will. But the the third one really was fantastic because it had all this stuff wrapping up um, including Yuri becoming an insane criminal and for that, some reason. that story arc was amazing with the <laughs> investigation, like with the investigation tapes with the psychiatrist. Dude, that okay. was that was good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. So the way the story unfolded was great. Yeah. I still don't like the way it ended. No, no, no. The ending the, was, the fact was very that poor. It, uh, it, res it was resolving over these therapist tapes was really good. Absolutely. I love that. Um, it was. It felt very like Jigsaw Killer esque. Yes, like Hannibal leaving clues type of thing. It on was very top, neat. Absolutely, on top of the screwball challenges only being better. Um, um in my opinion, <laughs> I enjoyed them. What? And then there the was something about the new one that I didn't like. There was one I remember that I wasn't a fan of. It was the one where you had to electrocute them and then shoot them into like the designated area. Oh uh, yeah. I was... found I found that my electrocution my my electrocution webs, my electric webs weren't reloading fast enough, so if I ran out, I ended up just impact webbing people up against the wall and <laughs> yeah. not getting credit for that was it. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what it was. And I did that one was frustrating. But go on. What were you uh Uh I, I felt like the the screwball the conclusion, quote unquote, to the screwball um the screwball challenges ends really well. That end scene was really good. I enjoyed it. Um and then I think I think they capitalized well on how Peter Parker is such a gem and a soul that he can really collaborate with anybody. And I think they took the driest, almost most boring character they could have in Silver Sable and like made that dynamic so interesting. And like I admired like when she started opening up to him and his humor and his jokes. 
and it just it really to me it made Spider-Man shine when they teamed the two up together and had them work together. That was yeah. my person. That's how I felt. No, I like that. I you know what's sad and it's because I am a pessimist, I guess. I was really expecting the David guy from Simcaria to be a bad guy. Ah, okay. I, I was <laughs> I was really expecting him to just bone off with those supplies for the bad guys. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Cuz you know that that's kind of the theme of the first one is that Peter's really gullible. He Oh, absolutely. He, he helps people and then they are like, "Ha, you idiot." And then they go off with it. Yeah. And so I was really thinking that this was it was going to come full circle and it was going to happen again, but it didn't. And so that was kind of nice. Um and no Mary Jane missions, thank the Lord. Oh yeah. <laughs> but no no beef with Mary Jane. But in the base game, the last one you do, you're praying is the last one you do, and luckily it is. Yeah, it's so I I did not like those missions as much as Seth did. <laughs> and I it's because I'm bad at stealth games. So I'm fine. Oh with that. yeah. I hate I, and, and maybe that's the underlying condition is that I don't like Payday 2, I play it all the time. Like, we never go silent. Like, we're going loud. Put the mask on. I'm not going to sit here for two hours when I can do something in 15 minutes. Yeah. And so that's the... What else was in this? So they added this weird crime where, like, you had waves of enemies show up mm -hmm. and they were trying to open the door... Yes. ...to a truck. To the truck. To the Oscorp and truck, right? Yeah. Oh, it was, every... Yeah. Every time I got this crime, I prayed it was the last one. <laughs> and it was not. It was but never it, the last one. Yeah. And it's just... Uh, I was so ready for all of these crimes to be over with anyway. Because every enemy has sable weapons. And mm -hmm. so yep. they all are so overpowered. And every shot like takes away your ability to do any of your cool stuff. It's... And oh, I, man. I really... <laughs> Uh, during these, during the sable infestation, as I'd like to call it, I really was very strategic with my with my perks. Like I yeah. intentionally went and put down like get, acquiring more focus and uh, more health. I was really and like the whole base game, I just did what I thought was funny or fun. And sometimes I would straight up play like a meme Spider Man, where I just like did the quips, and then I would just meme on all the people that I fought. But like. During during the last two DLCs, I really, especially Hammerhead at the end of the game, is literally like almost god tier. You have to really be careful and be strategic with how you like go about fighting him. Um, it was yeah, it was definitely like the third one. Second one was horrible, but it was just it was interesting how the the player has to change. Yeah, it's 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 interesting and it's it's good because the DLCs really make you use your full armory where mm -hmm. I, yep. the, the base game didn't like, no, you touched not at on all. That, so yeah, not at all. Um, it's, it was a good compliment to the base game. I'm really excited. I know you listened last week. I want to know what fantastic DLC may be coming to mm. Marvel Spider-Man. Did you, Dude. did you catch? Yeah, on I listened that? to the, I listened to the last episode. Ah, I, I don't know. Um, if it's just a suit, I'm fine with that. I'm just I'm fine with a suit too. But I would really like maybe some human torch side missions or something. Dude. 
you know, uh, maybe. Man. Give me, give me something. And you it, I don't know, man. I for the I thought they were done with DLC. I still, I'm still not go, like I don't know. I'm, I'm in denial, I guess. Because <laughs> I want more. I want more, <laughs> but I I know I can't get everything because the the story arc set up for. Marvel Spider-Man 2 or whatever they're going to call it is going to be, they have just as much to go off of with the way the game ends. With the way yeah, the base we got, game ends. We, we got a little tease uh, at the end of the DLC of Spider-Man and Miles on top of a yep. rooftop jumping yep. off. Yep. Uh, no no Miles suit, but no he, Miles he suit. Had a mask on. But the end so. of the third DLC, you do get the Into the Spider-Verse suit. Yeah, which just... All of those animated suits look so jarring. Dude, it's so funny. The anime suit itself looks so good. Yeah. The the, the one where he's like smaller. Yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. pure anime suit. Oh, I love that suit. Uh all the suits in this game are so good. It's even the ones they made specifically for the game, like the game creators made, were also good. Oh, absolutely. So uh alright, well I think that covers it for Spider-Man. Just, you know, like we said before, the game was really good. So go out and play it if you haven't. The DLC makes it better, even. Oh, absolutely. So. I'd agree. It's it's definitely not a waste of money. Yeah. It's definitely worth 25 bucks, And you get 12 more hours of game. Easy. Uh, if you suck at it, more. Because you'll have to redo it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you do the math. Um. So let's, if Chris is okay with it, let's jump okay into some news. Um, since we are, we're running long. We talked about Spider-Man yeah. longer than I thought we would. I mean. But I'm, I'm fine with it. It's me um, and Spider-Man, you know. So Star Wars games and EA are oh having my gosh. just a real humdinger of a time. Oh, my word. I don't understand how EA keeps messing this up and Disney hasn't revoked the Lucasfilm games rights from them. Can I, uh, without being toxic, because I came into, when you asked me to help out, I was so excited. First of all, because you recognized my love for Spider-Man and you recognized me as your dude. Um, and so I was super excited, but, but I came into this podcast going, I can't be toxic because I would get... <laughs> I would get so toxic sometimes and not just like playful banter toxic. I would get, and not at you and Seth, I would get so mad about certain things and we're gamers and we are passionate and we want what we want, but man, would I make those problems my own personal <laughs> problems. And so to touch on this without being super abrasive, the like, the first thing I thought when you texted us this morning was Visceral could have been doing Dead Space 4 this entire time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This really. entire time, bro. Three to four years, we'd ha it'd be done. We'd have it in our hands this uh, year. Yeah. And instead, we have a canceled shell of a Star Wars game that doesn't even matter because we're not going to get to experience it. Yeah, we're they they're still working. It's just a smaller game. Which, what does that mean? Okay, like so they, 
So I'm glad you mentioned that. Here's what I think it means. Remember last year, we talked about it on the cast, that they restructured it to be like a game. I forgot their terminology that they used, but it was like a, a, a game for life or like an ever-evolving game. They basically wanted Star Wars Destiny. Yeah, like games as a service. There you yeah. go. Which could happen because you basically just combine Knights of the Old Republic and Destiny and you've got a Destiny type Star Wars game. Yeah. And so it's like how do you fail with a with a studio like Visceral? How do you how, how does that get shut down and how is that not a product that you don't see making garbage truck tons of money? Yeah. I don't know I don't it's, know if you I didn't know I didn't read what happened. So maybe you can shed some light if you read, I'm not sure, on what exactly took place or what the reasoning was. But all I know is I saw canceled and I got super upset. So I have to double check what happened to Visceral because this is the game that EA Vancouver is working on, Mm -hmm. um, which I think was absorbed, like they absorbed visceral yes uh which visceral died yeah it died in october okay Mm -hmm. that's right because when their game got canceled they got canceled basically yes okay that remind me all right so a that sucks a whole studio died and then this game still died so you killed the studio and (laughs) killed the game right b you you have the exclusive rights to make whatever Star Wars uh, game dude, you want. Talk about sitting on a on a pot of gold. And you have made two Battlefront games that are universally reviled for the most part. I liked Battlefront 1. I did not in the slightest like Battlefront 2. It's baffling to me that we now have two canceled um, almost more than two if you want to count Star Wars whatever the one was that had the bounty hunter yes oh 1313 yeah so if you want to count that one we have like three Star Wars games that are canceled now two of them are the same iteration of a game Mm -hmm. the only known games we have that you're working on now are the the respawn one Yes, the um, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And this small game, this smaller game now. And like, what does that mean? Quotes. Does that mean that they scaled back to the original to the original idea because they realized a, a working games as a service Destiny type Star Wars game? And I don't know what else to describe it as. Pretty much to me, that's what they wanted to do. When yeah, I, they, want I, a, they want a Destiny anthem... Uh, living a living game which gimme 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 I'll play it let's do it but so did they did they just go uh our we're our pants are too big too big for our britches let's go back to the original idea like what is this it's it's very it's very ambiguous like smaller scale like that's super subjective what do you what does that mean a mobile game like what are you what are you trying to tell me it's frustrating for sure. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's baffling 
Jason Schreier keeps tweeting more details as he's getting them. I, you know, it's just, it's happening. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this is the year that Disney says this is enough. I'm hoping. And dude. they they break whatever contract they have because Disney can afford to break a contract. Yep. And yeah. So let's let's talk about another uh con like we let's get the flowing of the split ups happening. Let's uh, go. Breakups. Uh, Bungie and Activision have split Woo! Which hot dog. Hot diggity dog. Talk about Disney hot dog. We are <laughs> we are now and Bungie got destiny in the divorce. So So the, so basically Activision got nothing. <laughs> yeah. So they might as well so, be paying child support. <laughs> this is so infuriating. They are essentially paying child support because the Destiny servers are staying live on Blizznet for the PC game. Okay. So essentially, they are still having to support it. I don't understand why Activision has been so mad about Destiny this whole time when they were the reason it sucked. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so it's 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 basically looking in the mirror and pointing the finger at yourself. Yeah, it's the it's the literal meme of Spider Man pointing at himself, <laughs> like, like like no, you're the reason it sucks, and you're just pointing at yourself. Yeah, and oh, all the all of the monetiz- monetization, all of this convoluted mess with the story and taking story chunks out to put in other things has been because of Activision. Yeah, absolutely. And I, on one hand, am really sad because we'll never... I don't know if people will trust Bungie enough to do a Destiny 3 Hmm. and actually spend money on it. Okay. Because they've been burned, but maybe now that they know that, you know, this power, money-hungry company is not in its... has their hands in it, Mm -hmm. maybe they will trusted again and it also makes me think of activision's practices because as a uh guilty pleasure as a big skylanders fan they to me they put that franchise in the ground too with yeah. an- annual releases not having new ideas switching developers over and over, like switching developers like they do with call of duty to make sure the game was annualized obviously your profits are going to go down because parents can't afford to buy you know, fifty iterations of a different character, and then when they when they did superchargers, you had to buy vehicles on top of the characters, and it's like I don't I don't think that was a developer decision. That was definitely a publishing like own like whoever owned the rights, which is probably Activision. That was their decision to do right. that, and so it's like I love the memes that are showing like EA and Activision kind of like side by side together because it's not farther from they couldn't be farther from the truth. Yeah. And I mean, listen, if you if you want to look at Activision, and I know you're not a huge fan of Schreier, but he, um, if you look up Jason Schreier's reporting on Activision and how they're dealing with Blizzard, mm-hmm. it is getting real bad at Blizzard. Ooh. It's getting so bad. And it's getting to the point where even my friends that play WoW have noticed that the cosmetics and stuff are getting really pushed on them and stuff like that so there's a lot of and it's 
Blizzard has such a rabid fan base. Uh, that dude, they it's... are probably the most rabid and ra- and ravenous, potentially. Yeah. It's it's not going to be good if Activision really. It's going to be rough. So it's gonna be rough. Let's 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 do some causation here. Could it? And I'm not sticking up for Blizzard, but could that be why Diablo Four was pulled? I think that. Like the announcement, at least, not the game itself, but how at BlizzCon, I don't. That, it, it seems like that could be, I don't know. Maybe I'm just digging a little too deep. I think it's because Diablo Four wasn't ready. They, oh yeah. There's been a lot of reports about what Diablo Four was at some points, mm-hmm. and they've had to reboot it a couple times. Mm-hmm. I think part of the issue is also Diablo Three is not what they wanted it to be. Diablo three when it first started out, um, I don't know how much you played Diablo. Oh yeah, 3. I play. I've ran through it like two or three times. But when it first was released, it had this thing called the auction house in it. Yes, which I remember the, the whole house. idea to that was that they would make money that way because mm-hmm. you would sell your gear for actual money on this auction house. So real quick, I know we talked about. It, I didn't mention it on the cast. I've been playing Warframe, and Warframe has like a boosted economy just like that, and it does really well. Like there's a couple websites where you can either do real money or sell your items for the in-game currency, and the fans of the game like love it. It's it's awesome. Nice. I do hear that the Warframe community is super positive. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's a very positive atmosphere up in Definitely. that piece. So, but it just goes on what you're saying about the auction house. Yeah. So the auction house is how blizzard was going to monetize diablo for activision mm-hmm. was they were going to have this auction house and they would get a cut of all the sales and you like you would just that's how they'd make money over mm-hmm. time and the backlash against that was so vicious mm. that they had to take it out Dang. and they eventually added some other stuff in and made dlc of course uh, but it's, I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's so yeah. How money hungry some of these companies are getting, and on a level you can, uh, kind of blame. I, I I'm hesitant to say this mm-hmm. because it's it's weird. You say can it. kind of blame Fortnite because they made two billion dollars last year on cosmetics. Uh, because yeah, that game absolutely. doesn't that, cost. It costs money zero dollars. It costs the biggest game in the world right now, and I guarantee I can find statistics to back that up. No, it, uh, it, it's made the most game yeah. money out of any game ever right now. Yeah. The biggest game in the world right now is free. Yeah. it's And, and, the, and it's not only the biggest as far as attention and popularity, the most profitable video game right now is $0. Anybody listening to this on... Any console you have, yeah. unless it's Nintendo 64 or something, if you're outdated, <laughs> you can get the most popular and profitable game right now for $0. That's incredible. And so it's crazy to me still, and this is why I'm not too negative about Fortnite, is they put so much work into that stu- this game. Mm-hmm. They change the map every week or two, mm-hmm. and... I'm finding stuff all the time in it. 
And I had I, a. I, go ahead. Sorry. I'll remember. I'm. I'm not trying to. I. Trust me. As someone, I. I did spend money on the battle pass because I love Christmas stuff. Chris knows. <laughs> I do. Yep. Where whereas he is Halloween. Yep. That's I me. am Christmas, and so. Just the prospect of having a weird army Santa Claus in the game <laughs> got me. Just and, the prospect. <laughs> yeah. And so I got him, and it's all fine. I love it. But it's it has added a lot of enjoyment to the game. But seriously, the amount that they changed the map, I never quite realized how often they did until I played it regularly. And it is just so weird that no other game has done something like this and it's because it takes a lot of work <laughs> to be honest yeah. well I, and what i was gonna say is i told my friend my friend and i were talking about video games earlier today and i said we were talking about um balancing like balancing games and making them efficient and i feel like it's way easier to balance and tweak changes in strictly multiplayer games because oh, yeah, of course. you don't have to worry about your your glitches in the story based campaign. You don't have you you can solely focus on not only balancing different. Now Fortnite's a little different because it you it's it's loot based, but like even games like Overwatch, I feel like if you if you know remotely what you're doing, every character has its strengths and weaknesses, and it's super balanced. Another game that I like to play, Dead by Daylight, Killer, Asymmetrical Killer, Survivors. They're constantly working on balancing, and I think that's another thing that Fortnite hit the head on is they do have the Save the World campaign, but that came out first, and they basically used that to segue into the Battle Royal, and they made sure it was just running flaw like the 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 campaign was running flawlessly, and then they introduced the Battle Royale to focus on the Battle Royale. I don't think they knew it was going to be as big as it is. I mean, unless they were super super duper confident. But man, it is. Uh, I say epidemic in a polite way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is. It's kind of baffling, and it's it's very impressive. Um, it's it's one of the reasons why balancing is such an issue in Destiny, because the PvP is so vastly different mm -hmm. from the PVE that whenever they change a gun for PvP, it can completely throw off the PVE. That's actually and, the game my friend and I were talking about. Yeah. Was was Destiny. And so it's it's interesting. I am really excited to see how EA handles all of this with Anthem, to be honest. I mean, it's uh, going to be weird. I'm, I, I'm oh with no. Seth, but I'm more pessimistic than he is. Yeah, I'm... Like I said, I'm not fully sold on this game. I'm probably 10% sold. <laughs> so, I mean, if we're just talking numbers and honesty. Yeah. I will play the open beta. I'm not going to even pre-order the game to, like, switch it over later to get early access. I will, I will play the open beta on my birthday weekend. And if within the first hour or two I'm not having fun, that's my judgment, unfortunately. Because... <laughs> yeah. No, no disrespect to Bioware. Um, I, I played the earlier Mass Effects. I didn't play Andromeda. Um, I know I had heard that Andromeda just got some flack because it was a Mass Effect game. If it was a different IP, it wouldn't have been as scrutinized as it was. At least that's what I've that's the consensus when I've talked to other people. 
Um, so no disrespect to Bioware, but I can't I can't trust EA, man. Not at all. I, I kind of can't blame you. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, with with all that, I want to leave y'all with a fun little tidbit, and then we'll we'll say goodbye. Um, news kind of broke on IGN earlier this week for some reason that uh, Gears Three that Drake and Minnie Driver were going to be voices in it. Um, <laughs> and that's not a, a big deal. So Drake apparently had to drop out because after like two days of recording, it was like thrashing his vocal cords, I guess. And so he couldn't sing for the album he was doing. Uh, he, could, and he couldn't so, mumble softly in the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> it was... It's crit... And, and of course... <laughs> You think about gears, so of course they are all yelling roughly. Yeah. So absolutely, um, Epic did say that he was he did a great job, like he <laughs> he just he did a great job, and it ruined his singing voice. And when your money is in your singing voice at yeah. the time, oh, yeah, I, yeah, you've got to keep it. Um, and same with the mini driver, uh, she like it messed with her voice too, huh. and uh, that's why. And I didn't know this until today. Michael B. Jordan was cast, which is crazy. In Drake's place, and it's crazy. Uh, Claudia Black, which they, she plays Sam, and I can't remember the name of Michael B. Jordan's character. Jay. Jay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was that's a fun little tidbit. I that was a very interesting little article I read. So. The, and, the more things you learn about old games like Gears 3. so Oh, yeah. And we I need to Gears. go back and play those games just for the fun of it. And you just have to let me I know. I'm interested. I'm ready. doing it again. I'm let not interested I'm in playing the Krill missions again. No. Those... <laughs> nope. But... Let's get through them as fast as we can. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, but Chris, it was uh, lovely to have you on again. I appreciate I, it, dude. Thanks I'm for asking. Very, very glad you made a return, and don't make it too long before we hear your voice again. Absolutely, uh, my dude. Seth, we miss you. We hope you feel better. And Seth, uh, maybe I can talk to you next time too. Yeah. And uh, to the listener, thank you for listening, and please share this with your friends and family and even people that you don't like and subject them to us absolutely maybe you will like us uh enemy of said person and then you'll spread the love and review us on our channels the that actually helps us get us viewed out there and uh we actually got a couple comments on our soundcloud tracks this week i man i'm feel really bad that i don't have your name on here right now i'm gonna pull it up real quick He's going to get it. Z Noble 360. Thanks for following us on SoundCloud and for commenting. Uh, We do love Split Second. (laughs) That was his comment. He commented, I didn't realize there were any other people who knew about Split Second. (laughs) And we are here, a small community. They're there. But we are here. (laughs) So uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. See you, everybody. Bye.